very G4 TV. <laughs> That's not like early 2000s. I fucking love it. Yeah. Right? Watching Attack anyway. of the Show. <laughs> What's up, everybody? And welcome back to another exciting episode of Not a Robot Screens, the podcast where we discuss your favorite forms of entertainment that you, the viewers, enjoy on a screen. I am your host, Isaiah Zapata, and with me, as always, Josh Murray. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Uh, today, we have a rather special episode for you, you beautiful legends out there in the world, as we have a guest on the show today who wants to take a lovely journey into the dark abyss and discuss comics and graphic novels that will send shivers down your spine once again. He's an avid lover of comics and one of our other co-hosts on the NAR Network. Welcome, Brandon Chandler. Hey, Isaiah. Good to be back. How you doing, bud? I, I'm doing very well. Um, excited to, to, to finally uh, get a chance to do this again. The last time we uh, sat down and chatted about horror comics, it was a lot of fun. And I've, I've been, I don't know if I've been pestering you about it, but I've probably been pestering Josh about it. Like, when are we going to do second episode of horror do? comics? Because it was, yeah, it was just so much fun the last time. Um, and I, I, I've been longing for another one. That's I great. missed it. I was mm. seriously jealous. You should be, because we had a lengthy conversation about yeah. our favorite things, things that we have, you know, we would like to see, some things that we haven't seen yet. It was a great time, and you just, you mm. know, you dropped the ball and just didn't show up, you know? You're kind oh, of fired. Yeah. I'm a yeah. horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, I guess just to, just to recap you, Josh, so some of the things that we talked about last time was, obviously, we were talking about uh, the comics and graphic novels in general, you know, that's kind of, you know, Brandon's bread and butter. That's his thing. That's what he's great at. Um, but some oh, of yeah. the ones that we, we, no, we discussed. That, the that comics we, librarian, my man. <laughs> I'm blushing. But we, we talked about some of, some of the, you know, oldies and goldies and some of the greats and some of the newcomers and, uh, you know, within the last, I would say, 10, 15 years. Um, so we had like witches. Uh, we had oh, something. God, yes. Something is killing <laughs> children. Uh, we talked about Black Hole, Gideon Falls. Mm. Um, now I haven't I haven't I, read Black Hole. That one was interesting. Um, I know. Uh, I I personally read that. Um, at the time, I Brandon did not. So I don't know if he has mm-hmm. thus far. I still have not, um, but another one that you had mentioned that I did finally get a chance to read, and I haven't finished it, but I, I finally picked up the first trade, uh, was Ice Cream Man, um, because it gave me one hell of a pitch on that one, um, and I, I didn't really know a lot about it. It was a, a creative team that was sort of unfamiliar to me, um, which is always kind of a nice treat, because there's no expectations going in. It's just sort of, um, let's see what's here and, and let's see what it's about. And uh, Isaiah had given me the synopsis of the first issue. I was definitely hooked. So um, I went and, uh, and found the first trade and it was it was pretty much all that he had uh, promised it to be and more. Um, so um, I'll be excited to try and catch up with the rest of the series when I can. Um, but, but really haunting, very chilling, um, which I think I is compl- part of the course for a horror comic. Yeah, I completely forgot about Ice Cream Man, dude. I, mm-hmm. I, um, I had read that... Um, I mean, entirely. I, I had read that probably four or five issues, and then I, I, just, I don't know what the hell happened. I just forgot about it. I haven't picked it, picked, picked it back up yet. So I'm, 
I'm uh, I'm making a note to add that back to my list like right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I, wa- I read a couple of its trades and it, they were they were very creative. You know, you know from the jump that this ice cream man is he's not right. You know, mm-hmm. he would if if he were in a movie, they would definitely have some Dutch angle going on, making this guy look really odd. And he is very odd. He's like giving out ice cream and stuff, and I don't think he even charges anything from it. And then you have this weird kid who just like, I love my spider. This spider is awesome. And it's like, kid, like, <laughs> stop <laughs> it. Yeah. Right. Like, I need to find you some help. And, and then it just leads into some more intense moments that are like, what the fuck is going on? And that, that's why I recommended it. And I, I would put that on maybe on my top 10 list. I don't want to say it's a top five pick, but if you were just picking up like horror comics or even just graphic novels in general. All right, then. If you... If you were just getting into this, I would say that's a good starting point. Um, mm. But as you were saying, Josh, you said you hadn't heard about Black Hole. Black Hole is definitely something you pick up as an adult. It's not something that I think you should uh, have children read. It's about teenage angst and STDs that basically remind you of the scarlet, was it the scarlet letter that you may have read in high school way back when? Um, and, but it also turns you into like a mutant, which, oh boy, kind of really, you know, calls back to that, uh, Scarlet Letter reference where, you know, you're kind of alienated because you are different now. And it, it, it really, you know, puts a strain on some relationships with the teens who are going through these moments. And, you know, it's, um, it's interesting people uh it's really more of an emotional trip but seeing how these people's lives get changed because of these mutations uh really just kind of puts you in a weird state of mind well that's uh that's definitely something i'll have to i'll, I'll have to I'll have to again it's it's been on the the to read list for a while but that's that's really one that i'll have to get to now that i i hear more of that stuff and it's like right up my alley um and uh and now I'm just getting more and more anxious to actually read it. I feel like I've heard of, um, of like, because uh, I, I looked up more about it um, and the creator of the book, Charles Burns. I feel like I've heard of stuff from him, but I just, I don't know him exceptionally well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's definitely one that I have to get to sooner rather than later. And the the biggest one that we discussed was definitely the one that we thought was the scariest of them all, which I would say I put that on the top five, uh, that being uh, Gideon Falls. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Gideon which, Falls. Uh, wow. I have uh, I have some connections <laughs> uh, to that series. And I don't know. It, it, it's it been so long since we did that episode. That's why I was, I was kind of sad about it um, because it feels like so much has happened since then. But also I feel like. I remember a lot of the stuff that we talked about, but I feel like I've forgotten the finer details, so I don't know what I had the chance to to recommend there. Um, so I'm just going to kind of go out on a limb and uh, and recommend some stuff that I may have talked about on the last episode. I just don't remember. Um, but That's a couple fine. of them recap, some, yeah. recap, and recap. Yeah, and, uh, get. I wasn't there, so I get to hear it all brand new. And yeah. else too, so. 
That's fantastic. Well, all right then. Um, but yeah, a couple of them have some some connections, uh, both spiritual and literal, uh, to Gideon Falls, which I think will uh, be very satisfying, or unsatisfying, considering it is horror. Unsatisfying in the sense that it's going to make you feel terrible and uncomfortable, and you won't sleep. But satisfying well, in that it's a really compelling read. Well, I mean, unless that's what you're after, and then that will be quite satisfying. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Devil's advocate. I've been playing with my kids all day, man. Sorry. <laughs> sarcasm. <laughs> um, as far as, like, uber-modern... Not before we before we get into like hardcore meat and potatoes, like over the last few years and sporadically throughout comics, there's been books that just kind of like touch on the horror themes. Um, some that I feel uh were released recently and did not get the attention that they deserve. Um, some that Brandon thinks are 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 despicable. Um, <laughs> interesting <laughs> and a couple that I'm curious of what you guys think of so uh, DC DC presents The Conjuring I thought that was a pretty decent comic book run I think that it like captured the feeling of The Conjuring movies which I wasn't exactly a huge fan of but I think the comics did The Conjuring better than the movies um Again, not a fan of The Conjuring, and I know that's not exactly a popular opinion. Uh, all of the I, Joe I, Hill... <laughs> is, it, is it unpopular? I don't know. I, I remember I, the only one I've seen was The Conjuring 2, because I went with friends, um, and I just remember it was kind of corny, and then I think I fell asleep, um, and then I don't really remember much. Oh, and it, I think it was set in London, and that's all I, that's all I really remember about that movie, so... I, I don't know if they're uh, all that popular um, among, you know, general audience as well. I want you guys to know I'm getting sick and tired of all this conjuring slander that you have. <laughs> oh, man. It's not that bad. <laughs> I promise you it's not that bad. I mean, it's not the worst, but I'm just, I'm not a huge fan of it. But if, Isaiah, if you haven't had a chance to 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 go check it out, check out DC presents the conjuring and it's called the subtitle is the lover. And then every issue has a different backup story in the back of it, dude. It's, it's, it's a, it's a real good, real good read. Um, all of Joe Hill presents uh basket full of heads, refrigerator full of heads, low, low woods, dollhouse. There were other ones. And I don't remember all the creative teams that were behind this underneath the Joe Hill presents imprint, but, those were all fantastic. Um, nice house on the lake. That shit's that shit is some top tier, unbelievable stuff. Did you guys talk about nice house on the lake on, during the last one? I don't, I don't know if we did. Um, I don't. And I, yeah, I I don't. I think I I think I left that one off, just because I I wasn't entirely sure if I wanted to call that horror. Um, I guess in a sense, it does have horrific elements, don't get me wrong, but I, and that, I guess we'll get into it a little bit later, but my definition of horror comics, even sometimes when they fall under the, the horror label on like Amazon or whatever respective, uh, publishing company, uh, they're under, um, labels them as horror. I, I sometimes, I guess I'm, I'm so particular about it 
and, and what I'm looking for. Now that I feel like I've, I've refined my taste, um, I guess to, to continue <laughs> what Isaiah and I were talking about, because uh, I remember when we were first talking, I had mentioned that I, I'm not really a big fan of horror. Um, I, I feel like now it's changed, but um, I think especially when I kind of started, I, I was definitely not a big fan of horror. I was like, scary. I don't want to, I don't want to spend money on this if it's just going to make me feel like crap. Um, but I don't know, maybe it was just the state of the world in 2020 or whatever. Um, but for some reason I just got really into, into horror comics. I had a friend who sent me a copy of, uh, of Joe Hill's, um, uh, why am I blanking on the name right now? Um, oh my God. Black phone. No, no, no. Um, oh, my God. Oh, this is so terrible. Oh, Lock and uh, Key? It's, it's been a long day. Lock and Key, yes. Yeah, Lock and Key. Okay. Um, that 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 yeah, is one of my favorite. Uh, yes. Volume yeah. 4. Um, Joe Hill. Yeah. Best, one of the it best was, volumes of Lock and Key, man. Yeah, and it was it was like that. Um, and I think um, around that time, uh, I'd started reading Gideon Falls. It was just like a very strange moment where... All of a sudden, I was reading a ton of horror books, and, and for some reason, something flipped, and I just found myself really attracted to it. So then I, I felt like I didn't have quite as much of a refined taste, but now now I can be pretentious about it um, and and be like, okay, <laughs> I, I know what I, I know what I want in my horror. Um, so anyway, to get back to Nice House on the Lake, um, I yeah, I, I think I I don't know I don't I don't know if we had mentioned it, um, but I think. Maybe one of the reasons I don't know. Memory is it's been so long since we did that last episode, but it's um, it's like steeped in. I would I would yeah. almost call it um, science fiction horror mystery almost. Yeah, I I was thinking. I guess I I thought of it more as like yeah, sci-fi mystery with horrific elements. But I didn't know if I would at, at least for me because my my standards are all whack. Um, but I, I didn't know if I would call that one a straight up <laughs> horror. But it is a very good read. Don't get me wrong. There's there's no dispute there. Um, and, uh, right, Isaiah, what what does it take for a comic book to qualify as a horror comic book f- to you? Well, I would say the same thing for like a a film as well. I think because it all it it's all really just one thing, uh, just adapted in a different way. Um, it, so obviously you right. got to have your you have to have have your your stark introduction. There has to be something in the beginning that really grabs your attention and you could say that for any novel any show any book any movie it's just but horror someone needs to die and i I firmly believe that someone needs to die and it has to be in a gruesome shocking way that's going to pull you in and obviously if you already got that we already can assume it's either going to be a drama thriller horror but i think there needs to be a level of mystery it has to have it has to be creative in terms of like its art style and we can go and you can look at any horror comic graphic novel even just like the writing in just like a novel itself like if you look at Gideon Falls it's so different than anything you're gonna see even if you're looking at Victor Lavelle's Destroyer or you're reading The Drifting Classroom or even um you know getting into like more like traditional comics like Arkham Asylum A Serious House on Serious Earth yeah. The, oh the, Jesus oh. Christ, man! I mean, talk about so, a fucking book. It's they're all <laughs> very, very different and different and creative, and they take their own little their own the whoever is you know the the writer and like the artist they're taking their own little 
piece of them and throwing into there. And in I'm sorry, but I've got to step in here. Arkham Asylum, a serious house on serious earth, is not whoever wrote that. That is Grant. No, Morrison I think I think he was Dave talking McKean generally. Man. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think uh, he's talking uh, generally, uh, <laughs> not not specifically <laughs> about that. Yeah. Don't step on my <laughs> Yeah. That's my eye though. Dave yeah. McKean, yeah. Uh oh. Whoa. Oh my god, there's two. Yeah. A <laughs> horror film? Oh, I uh when you Isaiah uh, is stuck in a body snatcher loop. Yeah. Every time Josh is coming from A twenty four. Don't put that in the They all have something um the, the, there's always a piece of the writer and the author that's in it that makes yeah. it unique to them. And like that's obviously something that you could say about anything once again. But for it to really be horror, I I think there has to be a problem that's significantly larger than just what one person can solve. And even yeah. in huh. though, we, though we see something like this in like something is killing the children. You know, you have basically one person who is really attuned to these creatures that are killing the children. It's a bigger problem than, than just them they can solve. Same thing with Gideon Falls. Yeah. With the cat-eyed boy, same thing with uh, after like... Boy. Art- did you boy. Did you read that shit? A little bit of it. It, it. it grew my attention, and then life was like, hey, you got other things to do. And I'm like, um, <laughs> you sure? Yeah. <laughs> are you positive? Cat, cat- Cat-eyed boy was a little bit out there for me. But uh, mm-hmm. by your definition, Isaiah, it sounds like you would definitely consider Nice House on the Lake a horror. Um, I do, too. It is like they're on the borderline where it's like, eh, is a psychological thriller or a horror? But um, Nice House on the Lake, it, it is, it is um, it's written really well. And that, for me to say that about James Tynan is a lot. Because <laughs> uh, I picked him apart when he was writing capes. James Tynan excels in this book. And then, um, ah, shit. Who's who's the who's the artist here, Brandon? Alvaro Martinez, who was his partner on Detective Comics, which is my second favorite run on Detective Comics. Um, and he's, uh, I mean, he, he's just a genius. Like he's. I think I think what made Amazing. Nice House in the Lake um, really connect with people is, and this is getting into the like nerdy art stuff, so forgive me. Um, but when he was on Detective and also Justice League Dark, he was paired with an inker, Raul Fernandez, who would usually kind of clean his stuff up, make it look very smooth, so it was you know all polished and nice for the superhero stuff. But um, Alvaro started inking his own stuff, and I think it it gave it an almost more like of a, a paint like quality um yes. and i know this because I, I follow him on instagram um as I, as i as i do with all the artists that i love um and he posts a lot of his process stuff and basically just breaks down what they look like um without the colors when they're raw um and it's just wonderfully impressive but i think what it really does for the uh for the nice house in the lake um and and maybe what works in the more horrific moments um is that it gives it a kind of like a dreamlike quality. So there are moments, especially with um, the supernatural character Walter, where um, 
when applied with the colors from Jordi Belair, who I think is using a natural process. She's not like painting it or anything, um, but mixed with, you know, our Alvaro's um, pencils and, and uh, his sort of more um, paint-like inks gives it like a dreamlike quality, which really works, uh-huh. um, especially in the scenes with, with Walter, where it's just like you see that and you're like, oh my God, let me just... I mean, let me get the fuck out of here, right? Let me get out of here, man. Um, It makes... The crazy way it makes certain shit stand right up off the page is just fucking mind-blowing. Yeah. I mean, there's the the cliffhanger in the first issue where... um, uh, I'm I'm forgetting the character's name, um, but uh, she has her hand blown off by Walter, um, and it's just this, like, horribly graphic panel, but... The way that uh, that Jordi and Alvaro work together is it it looks almost like muddy, so it's not just like spewing blood, and it looks like you know like a kind of cheap grindhouse movie or something. Um, it just has like this this like really visceral, etchy quality to it um, that that makes it all the more horrific. I, I guess maybe it is a horror book. I don't know, um, but uh, but yeah, no, I think art wise they're really just pulling out their uh, their A game, and I think it, it stands apart from a lot of the stuff that he's done in the past. Um, on the the capes side, I'll use the word you used um, of DC. So, very cool stuff. All right, do you, what what do you guys think about the like? I know what Brandon thinks about the deceased series, um, but there's there's the deceased series. There's DC versus vampires. Uh, well, series before like we get Ar- into Arkham that, City Order of the World. Yeah, yeah. Before we get into that, there is one thing that I, I kind of wanted to talk about because I, I thought Isaiah was making a really great point about how horror is in a lot of ways personal. It should, you know, either reveal something about the creator or, or speak to something that the creator believes in. And I think that's why Something is Killing the Children um, and another series that shares a lot of tropes, also written by James Tynan, uh, The Department of Truth, has connected with people because um, part of what the series taps into is the... Um, and I, I'm going to try and find the right words for it, but sort of the... Um, the horrors that we create for ourselves and it tackles it on two fronts. Something is killing the children, obviously, is I would say is more focused on like the, the youth perspective where children are creating these monsters for themselves that are often manifestations of other personal problems. And the Department of Truth handles that, but from the conspiracy side, which is, um, I would say, a lot more uh, adult-oriented, you know, people, crazy people who are... Yeah. Aged 20 to 70, believing in, you know, nonsensical stuff like QAnon, Pizzagate and every other thing. But I think um, what what James has done really well is is tapped into that um, and shown how personal it is to to a lot of different people, while also showing how he himself is is connected to it personally, because obviously um, he's done a lot of research on whether it's you know conspiracy theories or um, the the manifestation of, of you know child horror or whatever, um, but has just done a really great job of of sharing that um, that aspect of you know both adulthood um, and the youth perspective and making it incredibly personal, making it something that I think a lot of people can relate to and empathize with. Um, so I, I I think that's why it's impossible to say why you know a series has become a hit. You can list a number of reasons but ultimately predicting a hit is like winning the lottery it's just random um but uh, i i think maybe in part that's why the series has connected with a lot of people it's it's got something that a lot of people can understand and, and relate to both um young and old um sorry for all the old people out there i wouldn't make you feel aged 
Um, but I, I think it's a, a good way to, to, now, to kind of. Yeah, but no, I, I wasn't talking to you. Just just anyone who is. Uh, Isaiah is, is makes fun of my age all the time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think th- both those series have done a really great job of connecting to a, a wide range of demographics and doing it in a way that is personal and and speaks to a lot of the fears that uh, that people have right now. Um, so yeah, that's that's that. That's my little thesis. I do want to point out that uh, Martin Simmons does a fantastic job with mm. the department series these covers are insane they're great yeah. i mean some of them some of them are you know it's not a whole lot of different than what some of the original it might be like if it's specifically for like volume one um mm. but if you're looking at like some of the other volumes or even some of the, the just the like you know the singles they have some crazy uh imagery like uh yeah. issue 21 per se just has like this weird like angular shaped nosferatu bird <laughs> thing just staring at you with the pentagram and i'm just like i, I need this to stop <laughs> this is this yeah stops. no martin martin simmons is great it's like i mean i know he had done a couple of i think he did a, a horror series with uh joe hill it's called like dying is easy or something but i haven't read that oh, but missed that. um yeah martin simmons is like he just he just sort of stepped out of nowhere and it feels like he stepped out of like, you know, 1993, 1994 Vertigo with like that really painted photorealistic style of like a, like a Dave McKean or um, like when um, uh, I, I was about to say Roland Bashi, but it's not. Um, it's um, man, I'm just off my game today. Um, but it's uh, uh, kind of does the same. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, I was thinking of uh, of Duncan Fregredo, um, who who used to kind of paint his stuff in a in a similar style, that uh, that made it look like very photorealistic and dreamlike. You you, I'm sure if you if you just look up like old Vertigo covers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, where it feels like Martin Simmons stepped out of that era and is just here now and is is producing work that is of the same, if not better, quality than a lot of stuff from that era. So, yeah, no, he's absolutely great and, and makes the series better. Perfect. You couldn't set it better. Um, but uh, Josh, what were you, what were you asking again? You were we wanted our opinion on something. Oh, just I was gonna ask. There's there's different kinds of comics that follow more of like an action or a different kind of trope mystery, but definitely are rooted in the dark, like DC versus vampires or Marvel zombies. Um, the entire deceased series, the Umbrella Academy, Heroes, uh, Arkham City, Order of the World. That was an amazing story. That was, it was very dark. It was very deep. It was very psychological. I don't know if it was horror. Um, what do you think, Brandon? I know you're familiar with the majority of those. Yeah, um, I, I guess it kind of depends, um, and 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 this is probably where my my pretentious definition uh, gets in, and I won't I won't linger on this too long because I want to hear Isaiah's response as well. Like we're like we're presenting a case in front of the in front of the jury. Um, but for me, at least, um, I, I feel like some of those definitely fall under horror. Um, but you know, there are multiple, as I'm sure Isaiah knows, there are multiple different types of horror. There are ones that are, are more grounded or psychological or don't necessarily involve a lot of action. It's it's um, it's it's more personal. It, it doesn't involve a lot of um, kind of manic action, I guess is the word I could use. Um, 
So for something like DC versus vampires or um, deceased, which you know obviously use elements of the supernatural, um, and I, I I would I would definitely call them horror titles. I'd see it kind of like in the same vein of like um, I don't know a, an army of darkness or something like that, um, where okay. it's so very like entertaining. Yeah, it can't be horror. You know, more action oriented. Like you'll get your scares, you'll get your spooks, but it's it's definitely more on like the spectacle of the thing rather than really trying to unpack something psychologically, which is not a bad thing. I mean, a lot of those are fun. Um, no, I, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, like um, deceased I, I think, is an emotional story, but it's not psychologically. No, yeah, and intriguing. I think some of the ones. Yeah, I think some of the ones that we'll get into probably are fall more into that category where it's like, okay, we're really just trying to unpack someone's mind or a group of people's mind or watching them fall apart. Um, it's like it's like watching, I don't know, um, like, yeah, I guess Army of Darkness or what's another like kind of uh, schlocky horror movie? Um, some, something like in that vein versus... Ash versus like, the Evil Dead. Yeah, Ash vs. Evil Dead, or, you know, it's like it's like comparing that to, like, The Witch, or, um, you know, any any number of, of uh, kind of more slower, personal horror films. Um, but, Isaiah, I'm, I'm interested in hearing your rebuttal in the, in the question of action versus personal. You know, I, I think there's levels to horror, for sure. I think, you know, I, and like you said, like, you know, you have your... Your high art kind of horror, where you have like mm-hmm. any, you have the lighthouse, which Josh can attest to. You know, he doesn't hate it, but it's still like a higher art, whether you like it or not. There, there is mm-hmm. like it's very abstract. Um, then you have like the yeah. witch, high which, art, yeah. abstract, psychological thriller, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's usually how these like higher end horrors go they they really want to think and toy with your mind and really like is this really happening did that really occur you know they Mm. really want to deep into your characters minds and that's what you see in some of these higher arts but then you got your like your your higher ends but not like at the top shelf um you know it's usually like a lot of shocking material like you got like Mm. a little bit of guttural but there's still like a heavy plot presence there you got your middle lines where it's like we don't really care as much about the plot. It's basically like really your 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 standard slasher, you know, your yeah. Mike, your Michael, your your Jasons. Like we know where it's going. We're here to see the kills. And then you have, mm-hmm. and I don't want to say low tier because they're still great in their own right, but they the less emphasis on the horror itself, but more for the enjoyment of what's going on. More stressful and. Uh, not as much anxiety as some of the other levels have it, but like they mm-hmm. get you like, what is happening? What's going to happen next? Like the anticipation, and it, it's it's like you guys said, like um, some of these DC uh, horror, and I will I would classify them as horror. They're just not as horror based. It's like horror <laughs> elements. Like like I would like say psychological. Yeah, like but like as I mentioned, yeah. like Arkham Asylum, a serious house on serious earth. We we can all oh yeah uh, definitely a great issue and that that takes psych uh you know like the psyche and pushes it to a higher level and I would say oh, yeah, that it does. more of a a traditional horror than uh Marvel zombies that just kind of like yeah I, 
it's I think I think you can definitely get different tiers in in your you know superhero fare. Um, and you know if we're on the topic of Grant Morrison, I think there are a lot of different there are ones that you could compare that that are literally on opposite ends of the spectrum. So you could have um, <laughs> it's it's funny Nameless. to think about it this way. Uh, well, that was one I was going to mention later, but um, I, I was thinking specifically Batman. So you could take ah. you could take three different Grant Morrison Batman titles, and I'm thinking Arkham Asylum, A Serious House on Serious Earth, Batman Gothic, and I was going to put um, the Black Glove. Um, and okay. all three of those, I think, would fall along the, the the spectrum that we talked about. So if you're looking for the more psychological, quote unquote, highbrow. Arkham Asylum is probably going to be something that you're looking for, very dreamlike. It's it's very philosophical. Um, something that's more in the middle, I would say, is is gothic, where it kind of rides the line between the psychological stuff, but ultimately, the final two issues are like you know standard Batman detective fare, um, and then the last one is a big showdown between Batman and Mister Whisper in a chapel, like exactly what you would expect from a Batman comic. But it's very much horror oriented. Because it, it does deal with the um, rather disturbing past of of, um, of not not even just Bruce Wayne, but of the character of Mister Whisper and some other religious stuff that I won't get into. Um, and then on the like more quote unquote schlocky end is you know Batman the Black Glove, um, which is definitely <laughs> horror oriented. But I would say that's mostly in visuals. Um, you know where you have the horrific image of um, you know. Uh, I think his name is uh, Mr. Hart, who is like has been skinned alive, and and uh, Simon Hurt uh, is wearing his his skin as like a costume, and he's he's pretending to be um, uh, this uh, this guy Hart, who's like the the tycoon who brought the Club of Heroes together. But it's it's schlocky in the sense that it's like um, they brought a bunch of these superheroes to an island, and they're kind of just toying with them. Uh, it's it's like um, have you ever seen that movie Cube? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's oh, like yeah. it's like it's like Cube, but instead of being a bunch of Canadian actors you've never heard of, it's the Club of Heroes um, from the DC universe. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like with with a character like Batman, you can get all different ends of the spectrum. Um, just depends on what kind of story you're trying to tell. Agreed. And as far you know, as that that Sweeney um, psychological. I forget how you put it, but it sounded it. Okay, so there is another kind of horror that I feel like is a lot easier to capture in comics than it has been in film for quite a long time, and that's the romantic horror. Um, and I want to say romantic horror. I don't mean like classic Dracula, although in film that's what I would be returning re- referring to. But um, like I've. The saga of the Swamp Thing from Alan Moore, I would almost call that a romantic horror. I would call that a romantic horror. In in um, I would push back Ram- on that, but I'm interested to hear what you're you're gonna say. And I would say the same thing about Ram V's run with the Swamp Thing, but the re I, I say romantic horror in, in it's 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 very poetic. Uh almost almost like quite literally at times and it's it's um it's something that is psychological but it's also emotionally investing as well and maybe romantic isn't the right kind of word to use there Mm -hmm. because i would also pull in 
like the entire Sandman universe into this pretty much as well. Sandman and the Dreaming, House of Weepers, that kind of stuff, or House of Whispers, House of Weepers. <laughs> um, I feel like those would all qualify as romantic horror too. But I, now, now I'm very curious as to what you've got to say about that. Yeah, well, I, I think I push back just because, um, I mean, um, I, again, I've made it no secret to those who have heard me ramble on about uh, about comics on our other podcast, which you should definitely listen to. Um, but uh, I, I think the, the reason I push back on that is because I don't know that I would call it romantic horror. I guess the way I always thought of it was it's it's a mix of romance and horror, but I don't know that the two are linked. So you have, obviously, the love story of, of Swamp Thing and Abigail Arcane, um, but it doesn't really show that as a horrific relationship. If anything, it's, it's more how that relationship is what pulls Alec out of his more horrific moments or vice versa for Abby. Um, so um, what, I, what I think I like about the horror of, of Swamp Thing, at least for um, parts of that series, when it's, it's not dipping into the, the more like philosophical, heady stuff of like... Uh, you know, if, if you're in a relationship with a plant and the world rejects it, what will the lengths or what lengths will people go to, to deny that? And there, there's a lot of stuff that kind of gets all over the place. Um, but I think that's that's that could be a whole other discussion. But I think where, where the story excels in horror is um, it definitely, as you said, dives into the psychological um, and, and does it in a way that um, it doesn't feel like self-indulgent or anything and I know Alan Moore has been accused of that in other works but it, it very much feels like it's trying to capture it's, it's trying to capture horror that is is um I guess relatable would be the right word I, I'm thinking of an interview that he gave from like 1985 and he was trying to talk about what they were trying to ca- to capture with um their version of Swamp Thing and how it differed from the the Lenwee and Bernie Wrightson version, which I think was more like classic gothic horror. You know, your your creepy house, uh, creepy yeah. swamp, creepy swamp monster, like that kind of stuff. And B, the Lenwee stuff is great. Yeah, that that stuff is great um, and, and doesn't get nearly enough credit. But I think what Alan was trying to dip into was like, okay, what is, what is terrifying right now? What is um, contemporary horror, I think, would be the best way to describe it. So there's a whole element of, of like, it's a little dated, but... Um, like the fear of nuclear annihilation, the fear of of war, the fear of um, uh, pollution, uh, and, and things quite that the contrary, man, all of that shit is like literally possible yeah, right now. I well, mean, I think I mean, well, it's it's definitely still relevant, but I think it was a lot more. Uh, well, I mean, I, I guess it would depend on who you ask, but I think it was it was definitely hot button then when we were still in the midst of the Cold War and. You know, everyone oh, yeah. is is still kind of afraid of of what uh, the Soviet Union is going to do. Although, goodness, yeah, everybody knows, had a picture I, of Ronald Reagan in their house. I know. I I, I hope <laughs> I'm saying that by saying that now that I'm not like speaking some horrible thing into existence, and inside of five years the Soviet Union has has regained its former glory, um, or or has you know reformed itself, but. Um, I, I, I'm like, I'm like afraid to say like, oh yeah, that stuff isn't, you know, relevant at all. Like the Soviet Union doesn't even exist anymore. And then 10 years from now there is a Soviet Union again. I feel like an asshole. Um, it'll be but all no. over fall. Yeah, exactly. But no, I think one of the, one of the reasons that I, I kind of was like, I don't know that I would call it romantic horror is just because I'm sorry. I hope I'm not giving these long winded answers, but I, I'm just so excited to be doing this again. Um, <laughs> um, but I think one of the one of the reasons that uh, that I, I don't know that I classify it that way is just because I feel like it mixes romance and horror, but I don't know that they're um, 
linked that closely. It's more like both elements coexist in the book, but they're not dependent on each other. I don't know if I'm defining that in the right way. Uh, but, well, I mean, um, no, that there's that's, that's I get it because there are there is the horror part of that story, and then it is mm. the 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 relationship between him and Abigail that goes throughout the whole book is yeah, kind of it's independent like, of everything that's there. But yeah, it's, um, it's like I it's like the I, issue that um oh sorry, just one more thing. It's it's like the issue that that everyone knows that I'm I'm blanking. I want to say it's like issue thirty eight. Um, the the famous um or 38 or 37 um because it's after one of my favorite issues pog um but it's it's the it's the acid trip issue that everyone loves to talk about where he gives abby the beat and she like loses her mind um and it's their first kind of like shared uh um interpersonal experience it's the closest thing they can do to, to have sex um but it's 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 like this close personal moment and i'm thinking of that in the context of romance and horror. And I see the romance, but I don't really see the horror in that. So I, I think that's what I was trying to trying to get at. And like the romance exists, very important to the story, but I don't know how closely it's tied to horror. But anyway, I'll shut up now. Isaiah, <laughs> feel free to chime in, uh, cause I, I I've been talking too much. I like Swamp Thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got for you. Um I'm <laughs> have me beat when it comes to like the little nuances in certain comic books uh specifically in the superhero dumb uh that is dc uh and to to others marvel um but i you know what i'm gonna say this and people can fight me day and night i i think if someone if one of the two were capitalizing on horror it would definitely be dc they have way more moments way more opportunities i mean um Remember that video that I shared with you guys, and it was talking about the villains in the DC universe that that could progressively get scarier based on like their capabilities. And just looking at some of those villains, whom most of which I have no idea who they are, what they are, and what they are capable of, um, is way more impactful than majority of what I've seen in Marvel. Mm-hmm. So, at, at oh yeah, as far as horror goes, yeah, absolutely. I would say, with the exception of probably the be- one of the best, uh, I'm just gonna say one of the best horror books that was coming out in the past couple of years, and I'm sure people will push back on this, but having read that book from one to fifty, it it just feels impossible to deny, um, and that's Immortal Hulk, which takes the basic yeah. concept of Hulk of the psychological profile of Bruce Banner and tells one of the best damn horror stories you'll ever read. And there, yes, there are definitely moments of, like, schlocky action where it's, you know, Bruce in, like, a deformed Hulk state or whatever, just beating the crap out of whatever villain he's facing. But I think it does such a great job of showing the horrific transformations, certainly the incredibly fractured and and, uh, fucked up profile of Bruce Banner, um, and just showing how horrific it would actually be to wrestle with all of that in one body, so... Um, with the exception of that, yeah, Marvel is probably a little lacking, but Immortal Hulk was one that caught everyone by surprise, and, and I think that's why people loved it so much. Yeah, yeah, it definitely pulled through with that grotesque imagery and some of the psychological mm-hmm. effects. You know, being the Hulk and being Bruce Banner has caused him. It, it was definitely a phenomenal uh, run, and mm-hmm. which I you know crazy because I put I when I look at Hulk. I think for me the equivalent would be like Swamp Thing. Mm. 
you know, it's more nature based. So I like how the two are kind of like, well, I want to say Swamp Thing is kind of like holding horror down for uh, DC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I like how the two, um, at least for me, kind of like mirror each other. They're mm-hmm. both doing a good job at that. Um, Absolutely. I think I, would like, I think I would like to see more horror based with like your symbiotes. And I, I they, they made, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the King in Black way more action. It yeah. could have been creepier. Scarier. Um, but even with like some of the Carnage comics, I think they could be scarier because he's such a, mm-hmm. you know, an intimidating creature in the way his appearance is. Definitely, yeah. Um, he's a gnarly I, I looking think, dude. All of the symbiotes are. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, I think one of the things that because um, I, I agree with you what you're saying on on the Hulk and, and Swamp Thing comparison. Um, I'd also want to point at another one that I didn't even realize until I, I remember I just I came to this realization. I think it was one of the episodes that Kirk and I did of the Marvel show. Um, and it, it, it just seems so obvious to me um, that I can't believe I'd, I'd ever missed it before. But it was the comparison of, you know, Bruce Banner and the Hulk persona um, to Jekyll and Hyde, which is like classic horror. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and once I made that connection, I was like, oh, my God. That's why the Hulk is like the perfect horror character to have, and I, all this time, because you know, you see like the Marvel movies, or maybe you read like an old back issue of Hulk, and it's mostly just like running around, smash stuff, Hulk smash, like kind of the generic action fare that you would get. But using that that model of like the dual persona of okay, here is the more timid, more um, respectful persona that I present to the world. And under the surface is the horrific monster that has to manifest at night. And using that as like a, a Jekyll and Hyde model is like, oh my God, this is genius. How did, how did I never think of this before? And, and how did no one ever think to explore that before? And I'm sure other Hulk authors have. I just hadn't had the chance to read them. But um, once, I, once I like saw that connection, I was like, this is, this is why it works so well. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's, that's an element of why it probably connected with people. It's like that dual persona of, you know, Here's the the sensible me that I present to the world. Here's the one that I hide in the dark, but ultimately manifests, and I can't control it. And what do you do with that? So, a lot of a lot of cool stuff there. Definitely, I definitely I definitely enjoy everything you're saying about that because that that it does hold true very well. Mm. Um, but with that, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Now back to our program. Alrighty, I hope you guys had a, a good moment to fill up your uh, your chippies and your drink, your little Wawa, and uh, ready to, to continue on our discussion. <laughs> what's all things spooky in your uh, in your uh, you know your Amazon Kindles? Because of course that's where you read all your comic books or your iPad, right? <laughs> of course, yeah, exactly. exactly. Your phone? I thought a screen, right? Comic screen, book? No, who cares? Oh, God, reading um, comics on your phone? <laughs> Kill me. It's so hard. Can't do it. You can do it on your tablet. Hey, not everybody's uh, your got tablet, luxuries, yeah. man. You got you. Uh, you yeah. make do with what you can. It's just oh, it's because my phone is small and like trying to like zoom in and look at it is like agony. <laughs> it's Absolute agony. Why do you think I have these glasses? Uh. <laughs> well, to pick up oh, on a, the, this issue, uh, well, this issue. I guess yeah. you could call it the issue. Yes. one of our issues. Yes. Uh, not a robot screen podcast. Um, so 
since we've last talked, and you've mentioned this already, that you have been delving into this and that your fascination with horror has grown, and now you are a connoisseur of all things yes. spooky and dark. And we want, I just want to hear, what are some of the new things that you have discovered? My pleasure. Um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll try to keep this relatively brief, um, but Lord knows it won't be. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, I as as Isaiah said, and, and as we discussed the last time we were here, um, you know, wasn't. I mean, I literally just said I don't know why I'm recapping it, but wasn't the biggest horror fan. Was was somehow radicalized over the course of the pandemic, and now I have a, a, a refined taste like a sous chef. Um, so there were a couple of ones that I, I picked out um, for this episode. I think ones that I, I tried to focus on ones that I read more recently that were still kind of fresh in my mind. Um, and and uh, I kind of split it up into two sections, ones that are still coming out now um, and ones that are, are more classic, but I think are definitely worth your time. Um, I'm going to start off with one that I hope Isaiah has read, but if he hasn't, uh, that's okay because I haven't read Black Hole, but it's one that I've been screaming at him to read over on Discord, um, and that is The Closet by James Tynan and Gavin Fullerton. Oh, I think Damn it, I this forgot one, to read that too. Yeah, I no, it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's all good. It's all good because I I said I was gonna read Black Hole and I did it. Um, so we're we're on equal footing. But this is a three issue series that just came out from Image. It was actually being serialized over on a Substack. Um, but I I kind of opted to just read it when it was coming out uh, issue by issue. Um, and uh, this one I think definitely falls into the the psychological one that we're talking about, but also a bit of a, a different one. Um, that I I don't know if we've touched on, but it's it's. I guess, I don't know if this is a specific genre, but I would call it the genre of familial horror, like family horror, that really just focuses on, like, um, a family and the dysfunctional aspects of that and how that is horrific to, you know, the reader or to, to anyone else that's taking in the story. So what The Closet does really well in this genre is it's, it's a pretty simple premise. Um, a family is getting ready to move across the country um, and... It specifically focuses on the father and their youngest son, Jamie, uh, because the mother has flown out. Um, but uh, it's it's kind of looking at their travels across the country, uh, or at least the last two issues do. The first issue just kind of sets up the dynamic. Um, but what it does really well with the, the familial horror genre is that it takes the idea of a dysfunctional family and uses that as a mechanism to create the horrific monster that you see because throughout the story Jamie is plagued by this this small shadowy demon that is hiding in his closet hence the name um, and he's he's just terrified that this this creature is going to come with him even when they're getting ready to move across the country and his father's just like don't worry about this like it's it's not anything that will concern you but the monster keeps creeping up um, but as you later learn uh, well I don't, I don't want to spoil it too much but I've, I kind of already feel like I have so at this point um, uh, oh, oh well. Um, but as as we later learn, um, and <laughs> Too it's late now. I, yeah, what I what I love about the the series is that it never tells you, but it's 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 so subtle that I feel like a lot of people are gonna miss it. But it does it so well, um, where it, it presents the the manifestation of the creature as a product of Jamie's dysfunctional family because. When they get to the, um, you know, to their final destination in, I think it's Portland, um, and they're they're setting up, and they're finally made it across the country, and it looks like everything is going well. 
um, we discover that the the marital problems that had been plaguing Jamie's parents in the first issue have continued even at the end. And sure enough, the monster that Jamie thought had been abandoned back in his old home in New York is right there in the closet in Portland. And I was like, that is so genius because you know it's, it's, again, it doesn't have to say it, it doesn't have to spell it out, but you know that's just a byproduct of Jamie's fears of his parents, you know, fighting and, and, and dysfunctional relationship. And it was, when I, when, I, when I got to that last page, I was like, fuck, that is such a great ending to have um, because it, it just wrapped everything up so well. Um, but there are a lot of other great moments in that series that really touch on why um, Jamie's parents are kind of having their... Um, you know, their problems in their marriage, um, and, and in a lot of ways kind of highlights, I, I and, and this is where I'm, I'm a little out of my depth because I'm not married, <laughs> so I can't speak on it all that well, um, but it kind of talks about, like, the, the dysfunctions of marriage and, and sort of how you, you kind of feel like you're, you're past your prime or, or in some ways you feel like the days of your youth and, and the moments where you could kind of just have the free life that you enjoyed in like your twenties or, or whatever, um, are past you and they're gone. And it's, it's almost, it's almost presenting like aging as a, as an element of horror. Um, which I, I, again, I, I don't, is. maybe I was reading into it too much, but it was, th- there are a couple of scenes where Jamie's father, um, is having conversations with, with friends and with also other people. And he constantly brings up the fact that he feels like, as he has settled into his family and everything else and has the life that a lot of people would aspire towards. Like you have a, a wife that loves you. You have a, a, an adorable child. You have a job that pays well and you're, you're financially secure. You should be happy, right? But it's it's this feeling of dissatisfaction um, around, yes, I have all these things, but the days where I could kind of just go off and be wild and do whatever I wanted to do where I was unattached and, and didn't have to worry about all these connections are gone and they're past and it's like the life that I'm living now is almost horrific and I was again I, I don't I can't really relate to that because like I'm exactly what Jamie's father is describing I'm someone who is in their 20s and is is quote-unquote living the life that he's describing um but I, I understand what he's trying to say and I think that's such a brilliant idea of of presenting that dissatisfaction as like an element of horror that's that's something that's haunting him like he can't escape um how unhappy he is with the perfect life that he should be enjoying that everyone is telling him that he should be enjoying but that he ultimately can't enjoy and that's that's the tragedy of it all that um no matter how perfect it may seem to others it's not what he wants and that haunts him um so it's it's brilliant it's wonderfully illustrated by gavin fullerton very minimalistic art but i think that works well for the story um and i would highly recommend it I feel like it's going to fly under the radar just because it's kind of short and it, I don't know that it made like a ton of waves, but it, I feel like it's going to be one of those like cult horror titles that a lot of people will come to, may not have high expectations, but leave it being really satisfied. So that's why I've, I've been like, I've been needling you, Isaiah, to read it because I feel like you're going to love it. Um, but uh, but yeah. Well, Sounds great, man. We have an unofficial word from our sponsor. Do you also have a dysfunctional family? Well, True Blue <laughs> fixes oh that wiener. That's also causing demons to appear in your children's closet. True Blue. No, I'm just fucking with you. Um, <laughs> God, if that were true. Um, yeah, true, true Blue, Blue demon be gone. Yeah. Not only will it prevent the demons, it'll give you a rock-hard penis. Um, yeah. 
no, I, that's that's a great concept, and you know, and it's it's the fact, and I and I looked up images of it, and it's very Guillermo del Toro esque with like the mm-hmm. way that this yeah. looks, and I'm like, Ugh. absolutely, yeah. del, I'm a big Guillermo del Toro stan, but it's something that you mentioned how it's a very psychological, and I I think that's. In the way, like it, the family dynamic is, I think that's a very important aspect in horror because I think what really scares us the most, and obviously we've we've seen plenty of horror. I mean, we've seen your pumpkin heads, we've seen your serial killers, we've seen your um, just your your gremlins and your leprechauns, and all things that shouldn't be scary or are scary typically, or mm-hmm. are quote unquote supposed to be scary. We've seen them all, but the things that really get under your skin the real things that make you like i don't think i should have watched that movie um (laughs) are the things that are like very plausible to occur you know we look at you know witches and it's about these quote-unquote witches that live in this new england forest where people are selling other people to these entities to Mm. for their own Agree. So you know, it usually has something to do with these cardinal sins, and then you got this, you know, in the closet, you got these two, this marriage that's like crumbling, and it's causing despair to their child, and it, no one has any understanding of what's the other person is going through, thus causing more turmoil and causing things to arise that may not have occurred if everything was fine. So and we see this fucking in, good, and you see this in other like things, like uh. Things that are just that are very plausible, and like even some things that are not necessarily scary, they they still stick with you. Like um, mm-hmm. like I said, uh, Destroyer. You know, it's it's an it's a callback mm-hmm. to Frankenstein, and you know it has to do with like real world scenarios that are still going on to this day. I mean, not the issue the the the, the issues came out in like 2017, so you know it's not mm-hmm. like it's super old. But even like Black Hole, like it's not a scary comic. But because yeah. it's so relatable, it's so real. Like STDs, uh, you know, when you when you just hear about you, you got one. It's like even if it's something that it's curable, it's it's, it's, terrifying. it's terrifying. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. And, it, it, and it, also it, the the unknown. I think that's another yeah. big aspect in horror, and that's why I, I think other than the imagery itself, that's why Gideon Falls is so terrifying. Because yeah, it's like, it's like, are you are you more afraid of the boogeyman in your closet, or are you more afraid of finding out that a loved one has, um, you know, uncurable sickness? Both of those are horrific things, but one of them cuts deep, like personally, and that's something that just is it, it kills you, um, and that, oh, that's man. like that's the stuff that <laughs> that just gets to me, where it's like that that is horror on a level that just that that cuts right into your mind, like. Yes, it's you know there's a there's a horrifying monster or something like that, but it's it's that fear of losing a loved one or having something taken away from you that that really just cuts deep. In, sinister, you know, yeah, sinister or you know the strangers, you know these are all plausible yep. things that are just very unsettling because it's possible. I mean, when I first yeah. watched, uh, uh, I saw the devil, um, a Korean film, I would triple check my locks because I'm, I was so worried. Somebody's going to break in and (laughs) do something to, you know, my family that, you know, I would not wish on, you know, my worst enemies. And so I think it's those things. And why I think the closet, which 
I'm definitely going to check out now that you gave me this uh, wonderful uh, synopsis. Uh, is so tantalizing to me because it's something that is plausible, you know. And don't get me wrong, there are things that like they will not occur, like the Drifting Classroom by Kazuo uh, Umez. Uh, Ume mm-hmm. Umez. Um, that's never going to happen. Your your classroom is not going to be magically transported no. to uh, isekai to another I mean, fucking world. I, I get. I guess never say never, but like probably not. <laughs> uh, man, I mean, if Chuck Coon comes by and decides it's my time to oh, go God. to a new world, it's it. it's over. But, but like you know, even though it's not real, it has a strong imagery that's like. Damn, I would not want this to occur to me. <laughs> right? Very um, much so. Same yeah. same with the nameless. Same with nameless from Grant Mor- Morrison. Yes. Which is which is one go, that oh, uh no, just no. Yeah. Well, so nameless <laughs> I read na- nameless was was um ooh, yeah, na- nameless was a tough one because I I I remember going into it um and there was a lot of controversy because there there are people yeah there there are people that love it and there are people that absolutely hate it um and i am someone who definitely i'm gonna sound like such a fence sitter but i'm definitely someone who falls in the middle of that because there are moments where i see the brilliance (laughs) of it and i and i love the idea the idea of the 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 cosmic horror aspect of it but also tying in the i don't want to spoil it too much but I'm, i'm gonna end up doing it anyway i'm sorry uh, but Nameless is like six years old at this point. Like it's kind of on you. Um, but the yeah, the idea of presenting, longer, yeah, the the idea of presenting the idea of God as uh, you know potentially as a as a cosmic horrific um, demon, that's genius. But I, I think where a lot of it kind of gets lost is um, at least for me was I think it, it spent a little bit too much time on the the nameless character who's just called Nameless. Um, uh, on how crazy he's going, and not enough time really exploring the idea of if if a cosmic deity that had formerly presented itself to the world as God were to exist and was basically coming here to destroy the earth and bring about the end times, um, what what exactly would that mean for the rest of the world? What kind of implications would that have? And that was the stuff that I wanted to see. We didn't really get to see, and it. I think it just it spent a little too much time all over the place. But that's that's why I think Nameless is 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 a little bit of a controversial one. I think it also got a little bit too lost with some of the literary and religious references that just completely went over my head. Because Lord knows I'm not a religious anthropologist, whatever kind of expert. Uh, I mean, I, I I know my stuff here and there, but. Even I have my limits, so there were just like there would be like a number of of references to, you know, biblical angels, and I'm like I don't know what the hell that is. Um, but there was apparently a guide in the back of the trade that explained all the references, which I think is helpful. But it's in the back, so it kind of presumes that you need to finish the book before. So you're gonna <laughs> you read it, be com- <laughs> yeah. It's like you're gonna read it, be completely confused, then come to the glossary, and then you're like, oh, okay, I guess I probably should have went to this first. Um, but I think that's why Nameless is a little more of a, of a controversial one. Well, that's a really shitty thing to do. Like, you know, like, it's like we have a, <laughs> we have a, we have a story, yeah. but it's kind of an inside joke. But if you re- read it all the way, we'll give you we'll we'll we'll, we'll give you those inside jokes, and then you'll mm. think it's great, right? 
Yeah. Right? Right. Right? Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. He's uh, he's yeah. Uh, a tentacle monster. Hentai. Yeah. And, um, uh, and I... I I, I'm glad you mentioned Nameless because one of the one of the classics I was going to mention was one that I also read recently called Kid Eternity, which is a bit of an older one from uh, from Grant Morrison and Duncan Fregredo from the '90s. It's your classic like Vertigo book, even though it it predates Vertigo it? Um, yeah. shortly. Um, but uh, but that one is is I mean it's 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 essentially taking the character, the classic. Um, I think he was like a quality comics character like one of those obscure characters that dc bought um and and later folded into their universe but taking that character and giving it a a horrific twist so kid eternity who was known to summon the spirits of famous dead people has now been living in hell for an an extended period of time has been summoned to earth and needs to find the maps of hell to locate his old friend um i think his name is uh um mr something um mr mr whimper or something like that or it's not mr whisper that's another one um or or mr quimper or something um and then use that to fight off demonic entities known as the klipoth and that was the first time i'd ever heard that word in my life klipoth q-l-i-p-h-o-t-h klipothic which are apparently Entities in the um, in the Kabbalistic uh, mythology of Judaism. So again, that, that's what I'm talking about. Where yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. Where it's like it has a lot of these these deeper religious references. That if you have no context for that, it's just like what the what the fuck? I don't know. Um, but I guess if you do a little bit more research, it can it can kind of give you the full story. Um, I think that was a good one, um, but it, it definitely falls into some of the tropes that a lot of the uh, the pre-Vertigo kind of Vertigo books uh, fall into during that period. But um, it, it's definitely an, an, int- an interesting read. I will give it that. Um. Speaking mm. of interesting reads, um, uh, Isaiah, this all started uh, you asking modern things that we've read. Uh I haven't read a lot that's been modern. I caught all 13 issues of the silver coin, which I think we can all agree were all fucking amazing. Um, well, the whole series was amazing. Most of the, most yeah. of the issues were pretty, some damn. better than others, but yeah, most of them pretty yeah. solid. Yep. Um, and then I, I almost forgot to, to, uh, to bring it up, but, um, we've been talking and we're all, all three of us are big huge fans of witches by Scott Snyder and Jock. And, uh, there was a, there's a 10 issue run, um, by Jeff Lemire and Jock. And it, 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 it rides that it's an, it's another one that kind of rides that fence of being a horror because, uh, it's, it's, it's called snow angels and it kind of rides that fence of the, uh, like the village from M Night Shyamalan, mm, it, yeah. it 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 kind of ru- it kind of runs along the lines of that trope, where you know you're you're stuck in this bubble. This is where you need to be. There's nothing that exists outside of this bubble. Or, well, they call it the trench, and um, uh, these two girls they 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 decide 
every single panel on, on in this book is like, oh sweet, oh sweet, oh sweet. So I'm I don't want to give away too much, but throughout the course of the book, these two girls are moving along and they've got to make their way outside of the trench and all of the things that they find along the way, everything that they go through. And then at the end of it, they end up having to fight a snowman um, or the snowman rather, I should say. And uh, it's a hell of a book. I'm assuming by the looks on y'all's faces, neither one of you have read it. I have, but I, I didn't finish it. I think I just, it, it kind of lost the plot with me a little. So I read season one, uh, but I did yeah. not finish season two. I loved the idea of it. I mean, Jock and Scott Snyder are, are known as a, a kind of a notorious pair. So the idea of him working with uh, with Jeff Lemire uh, was was exciting. It's like it's like um, when Dave Givens started working with Frank Miller on Martha Washington. It's like, oh, all right, like, we're trying hey. a different combination. <laughs> yeah, like you're trying a different combination. All right. Um, but while I loved Give Me Liberty, um, I, I wasn't in love with Snow Angels. I like the family stuff. Jeff Lemire is, is an expert at doing that and, and capturing the, the family drama and the ennui. Um, but I, I think it just it kind of lost me a little bit. Um, so I, I'm sure at some point I'll come back and finish season two. But um, the, the first season, at least, I was kind of more mixed on it. Yeah, I, think I love the, the concept first... of it. The first season only had the fir- only had four issues, and then the second season is the last six. So it's ten issues altogether. Hmm. So small, pretty much a small run, but it, I I enjoyed it. I don't know. I guess would you call that adventure horror? <laughs> At what point uh, do we start separating uh, yeah, things? Because I, I don't want we get down that slippery slope, and the next thing you know, yeah. Laura Croft is horror. So exactly, exactly. Um, I, I well, I would probably well, yeah, call that an horror. argument for it. Oh man, is too rated horror? Oh man, it could be. You could make a great two. You could horror. you could call it. I, I, I if we're if we're going down the rabbit hole, I guess you could call it historical horror, right? It's like uh, oh, it's tapping because or or archaeological <laughs> horror or archaeological horror because it's, it's tapping into um, you know the. The aspects of archaeological that can be a little bit more um, horrific and terrifying. I, I would say probably the more more in the case of the newer Tomb Raider games. I don't know so much about the older ones. Those ones are probably a little more like schlocky. But um, do you have any more recommendations for us? Um, yes, these ones I will I will cycle through much faster. Um, and uh, and then I'll pass the the baton over to Josh. Um, I've only so I've we, only got one. Well, two more, but that's uh, it. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, we we're talking about Jeff Lemire. So perfect segue because uh, I have two from him. What a surprise, right? Uh, the man is like, just does a million fucking things at once. Um, but uh, the He's first insane. one was, yeah. And and I, and this is where I'm like, I'm struggling to remember if I mentioned it the last time. Um, and if I did, I'm like, oh crap. I'm just repeating myself. Um, but uh, him and uh, Sorrentino, his partner on Gideon Falls, are doing a new horror-themed universe um, called the Boneyard Orchard Mythos, or the the Bone or I always screw it up. It's the Bone Orchard Mythos, um, and it's it's basically like a series of separate horror titles that are all under one banner. Um, so it's it's almost more of an imprint, except it's just him and Sorrentino, um, and they put out. A graphic novel called *The Passageway*, which was 
I, I, I would say if you want my more in-depth review of that, I, I, I've, it's kind of defunct now, but I'm trying to get it started again. But I, I did kind of review of that on my on the indie corner where I enjoyed it, but I think it was, I think it was a little shorter than it needed to be because um, it just I feel like it spent a little bit not enough time on on kind of fleshing out the characters uh, and and the world before really delving into the like crazy psychological stuff um but i would say if you're a fan of the lighthouse check that one out um it it, it kind of taps into that area a little bit um and they also put out a a free comic book day issue that's a, a like a standalone adventure like a full just 20 page one so it's not like promoting anything it's 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 literally just like Here's what we're doing. Here's a taste of it, but it's it's a completely separate tale that is not related to anything else. Um, and that one I actually really liked, um, and uh, kind of got me excited for the next series, which is coming up soon, called Ten Thousand Feathers, um, I think, or Ten Thousand Black Feathers, or something like that. So that one, I'm I'm excited for what the universe promises, but um, ultimately, I think I'll, I'll have to wait and see before I can make like any conclusive statements on it as a whole. Um, and then he also has teamed up, Lemire has teamed up with his, his old Descender partner, uh, Dustin Wen, to do a new horror-themed series called Little Monsters, which I, I debated leaving off because I, I that's another one that's like, I don't, does it really count as horror? I don't know. Or is it more like supernatural? Like, what are we doing here? Because the premise is just basically kid vampires in a post-apocalyptic universe. That's it. Um, but I, I, I put... I put it under horror because I feel like the, the horror elements stem more from the idea that these children have been abandoned and they're sort of unsure of their place in the world and they're coming into contact with the last dregs of civilization for the first time. Um, and that's throwing and them for spin. And the covers are creepy as fuck. Yeah, the covers are very terrifying, <laughs> especially the one to the first issue from Doug Mankey, which I had to, I was like, fuck the main cover. I'm picking this one up. Um, cause it's great. Um, and it's, um, a picture of one of the people that had basically went around and recruited, I think the, the character is called like the master, um, or the elder or something like that. Um, and basically the story is like the elder has existed for an indefinite or, or unknowable amount of time. So we don't know how ancient he is, but he's basically been going through time and recruiting these children and turning them into vampires. And it's usually children who have been in like unfortunate situations. So like one is um, one is like a runaway and they're, they're like stowaways in the 1930s. One was like living in the, um, you know, 1600s and his, his caretaker had just died. One was living during the time of the third pandemic in the far and distant 2030s, which was, I saw that, it was like issue four, and I was like, oh crap, no, don't even say that, don't even joke about that being a thing. Um, but basically this guy comes around and recruits these children who have been in unfortunate or, um, you know, de deplorable circumstances and recruits them to be vampires and then at some point in the post-apocalyptic future has just completely abandoned them and they're all on their own so i think the, like the elements of like abandonment and confusion and first contact with the the hostile um remnants of humanity i feel like those kind of fall under under horror but i i, I would implore you to read the series for yourself to kind of determine it it's slow and it kind of really takes its time developing some of these characters but i i feel like in the long run it's going to be more satisfying um right now i'm i'm still like kind of 
on the fence about how long I'm going to stick with it. Uh, it just wrapped its first arc, but um, I think ultimately we'll we'll see how it how it uh, how it all lands up. Um, and then the last one I had is one that just wrapped up quite recently uh, called um, Homesick Pilots from Dan Waters, who is someone I have like always had on my radar, but I hadn't really been reading his stuff, but. Uh, I think it's probably just because he's been doing stuff at DC. Like, let's let's not even dance around the fact. Um, but he, because he's been doing more cape stuff, it kind of encouraged me to check out his other work. Um, and one of them was a very, uh, very exciting title called Homesick Pilots, which I feel like is another one that kind of rides the line between supernatural and horror. But I think, at least for its horror elements, it's more of like a, a commentary on kind of like little monsters it's it's like more of the horrific elements of people who have been abandoned or left behind yeah and really trying to delve yeah. into um what what it would be like to be in those unfortunate circumstances and so what it what it does in that respect is it's it, it's set all in like this old house um and all of these objects are haunted by the spirits of people that used to own them that were in these unfortunate circumstances. And so we get more contact on their stories and that sort of stuff. And that's where I feel like the horror actually comes in. Um, and we, we get more of a sense of, of you know, the, the world and, and everything else. So uh, those are some of the more current ones that I've read. Um, and uh, I think you should definitely check those out too. So I'll pass the baton over to Josh and he can recommend some good ones too. Okay, so uh, good ones. We'll see. I'm just kidding. Mm. Um, first, I want to do almost like an honorable mention. Um, something that I did here. Well, right after we started talking about doing this episode, I I went back and uh, reread uh, the 19. Uh, 1998 annuals yeah 1998 and it was um all the annuals in 98 were it was called dc ghosts and they all had to go back and and deal with the undead some of them was like their own skeletons that kind of stuff they were pretty good reads that's just like a fun honorable mention um what one books that were those? i'm I curious am... i don't i don't know that i've heard of that uh, let, I'd, I'd, I'd have to pull up the list here, but, uh, let me do that real quick. 1998. Let's see. Aquaman, Batman, The Flash, Green Lantern, JLA. Martian Manhunter, Superman, and Wonder Woman. I've I've never heard of this one before, actually. Yeah, yep. it's I mean, obviously, it's like an over arc. It's like a, I wouldn't quite say it's a story arc, but it, it's 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 more like a, you know just like a theme shared between the between the uh, between the different heroes and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. The one that I've been reading uh, most recently that has turned out to be it's dude it's fucked up. I'm just gonna put that out there. It, this this book is fucked up. Not 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 don't read it. Fucked up. But um, okay, so imagine Macbeth wrapped up in a lot of blood, way more creepiness and professional wrestling. I do like that. 
It's called the crim. It's called the Crimson Cage. Mm. Uh, it, have Have you ever Have you ever read Sink? Sink. Uh, no, I don't think I have. All right, it's 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 a pretty decent book. Same creative team that's on this one: John Lee's and Alec, Alex and Ashley Cormack are on, on the Crimson Cage as well. And it is, it's, it's, it's super good. Um, so it's 1984. It's New Orleans. Uh, a dude named uh, Chuck Frenzy is the main event star of like this local pro wrestling deal. And, you know, he wants to be top shit. He stumbles upon a way of doing, uh, he meets somebody who will help him become top shit, but only if he does something absolutely despicable. And it goes from there. Um, it's on five issues so far, and it is hmm. it is so good. I have to check that one out. Yeah, no, that's, you definitely uh, should. Ah, it's, God, it's I, I'm, I'm excited. I, I I have some recommendations <laughs> that I haven't even seen. I feel like a kid in a candy <laughs> it's, store. It's, it's AWA, but okay. it is. Yeah, it, I know, I know, yeah. I know, I know AWA, but I haven't. Uh, yeah, I've. I feel like AWA, I don't want to get off topic, but I feel like AWA, they always have super interesting books. And some of them I check out, but some of them just completely fly under the radar until they're over. Like, there was one I read recently from um, AWA called Redemption, which was by an author I'd never even heard of, uh, Krista Faust, who I guess primarily worked in in, um, novels. Um, Krista Faust and Mike Diodato, and it's like this kind of uh, almost sci-fi western themed yeah and it was great and i was like how did i like how did i not see this at all um and you know it's it's, it's almost a shame because i feel like probably a lot of stores just don't stock a lot of copies of of these uh books um because I, I don't know that awa is the most popular publisher out there so a lot of it probably just think... flies under my radar but it's a shame because um, they, yeah, they had that one. They had Not All Robots from Mark Russell, which was great. But that one kind of flew under Not my radar Robots initially. super good. Um, and, uh, and another one I read recently, Marjorie Finnegan, Temporal Criminal from Garth Ennis and uh, Garan Sizuka, which was just like madcap fun. I was like, damn, why am I? Why do I never see these books when they come out? Like, where the hell are they? <laughs> I got to put my notifications on my phone so I can find out when there's a new one. You got to sign up for League of Comic Geeks and put shit on your yeah. poll. And then every week you got to go back and, 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 and do more and more and more and more and more. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way to keep track of everything without having some kind of huge fucking database. I've given up. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Seriously. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. But please keep going. I have but... Um, I have just one more. We've talked about basically everything that's in my top 20 list. Um, or no, I wouldn't say my top 20 list. In my top 10 list. And then we talked about the outsides, um, like Deceased and and uh, The Boys and The Umbrella Academy. But one thing I am curious about is, okay, just just according to the things that you have read, what would you two consider to be the best horror book that you've that you've devoured? Uh, I feel like it's it's still kind of hard for me to say. I mean, there are ones that I love, but I don't know if I have the the absolute 
best one as of yet. I, I would say probably the closest is, um, you know, maybe Witches. That's definitely the one that I, I would come back to regularly, but I'm, I'm still waiting on my best. But I can tell you the best one I read recently, um, one that I, I, would, uh, I would also highly recommend. But I'll, I'll let Isaiah answer first. He probably has a more definitive answer than that. It's a little wishy-washy. Witches is my number two. So as of so I haven't really been in the comic book, at least in the American sense of comic book game, uh, at least for the like over the summer. Um, but mm. I, I in my recommendations will actually come in the form of some manga that I've actually read that were specifically horror oriented. So for those weeaboos out there that you know, gotta hey, that's comics, manga. man. That's yeah. comics. Don't don't, uh, don't don't pretend it's anything else. It's but all I, um, comics. But uh, as a part of the, okay, well, okay. So let's say our our Japanese comic family from across mm-hmm. the pond. Um, so from those, and then I've read one actual novel that is horror. Um, and that, and between all of them, I would say in the comic verse, well, at least the, the well, okay. So I guess in the graphic novel verse, I would say the one that really got me the most was probably Gideon Falls. Uh, that one was just. Everything and, and you know, and a side of fries. Um, right. In terms, in terms of like the manga side that I've read, and for those that want to check this out, I would say, I am a hero was probably my favorite. Um, it, it follows a like a manga artist assistant who he's not. He's very socially awkward and not necessarily right in the head. And now he's mm-hmm. he's he's basically like your your side character. He's he is he is player number four. <laughs> you know he's the, he's the character you forget. But yeah. he uh, has to survive in a zombie apocalypse and it's very surreal. It, the imagery is is pretty high. Um, and have him changing from this really like wallflower character to I'm the protagonist now, and I'm gonna fucking survive. And that one was great. It wasn't more so scary, but it was very like you wanted to keep reading to see what's going to happen. And then yeah, in terms is, of was this, it Shug- Shogakukan? Is that who put it out? I think so. All right, I, I'm I'm right. I'm ordering some right now. I got to check this out. It's got a <laughs> it's got an omnibus. It's got an omnibus. Yeah. I'm checking it out. I am a hero. Is great. Um, HP's Lovecraft at the Mountains of Madness, which is actually Ooh. an adaptation. Ooh. That one, there's an adaptation. I have been it. like waiting for forever to to just delve into Lovecraft, and I never get around to it, and I feel like such a fraud. Well, now you can do it in manga form. Oh, <laughs> and it, it was really good. Um, and I would, and then I would say PTSD Radio. It has to do a lot with like folklores and like hair and how that's very important in certain um areas of japan and then in terms of like novel the uh, the one i read that really like just shook everything up was called um the law of the sky i want to say i i could be wrong and it was intense i i didn't expect for it to uh, the way it occurred and there's a guy on TikTok that I follow, and he uh, he will also uh, attest oh, to it. Uh, Brandon Baker, uh, he just li- mm-hmm. reads all things like twisted and terrifying in novel form, and 
It's basically like Lord of the Flies plus ten. It's it, it is it is it is so intense. It's about it's almost like your, your Boy Scout group. They're going out into they're going they're going to go camping. It's going to be all great, but there is something out there that mm. is brutalizing these children, and just the way that the the, the author like describes how uh, mangled and destroyed these children are as they're getting picked off one by one is. It, it 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 was I didn't I like I didn't know what to do. Yeah. I couldn't like wrap <laughs> I was reading. Um mm. if I could pull up uh, just a small excerpt from I would, but it's just like yeah. uh, it is and it's only two hundred pages. So anybody wow. The Law there, of Yuki Yukai? No, the Law of the Sky. The Law of the Sky. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This it, I, it's I would a, say um Oh, sorry. I, I, I was just gonna say, if if you're if you really dug a lot of that Lovecraft stuff, I was gonna throw out um, if you've ever read or or, or interested in reading uh, Neonomicon from Alan Moore, um, that is is I think definitely one that delves a lot into um, Lovecraft's sort of uh, type special Hard type of core. horror. Um, yeah, which. Again, I can't really attest to having read none of Lovecraft, but from from what I can discern from um, I, I'll, I'll people's discussions on the book, yes, um, and from what I understood from my reading, um, then yeah, it's it's apparently it does delve into that a lot. Um, so I, I would I would recommend that. Um, although, and this is going to sound weird. I would encourage you not to buy this book in print if you can read it digitally, not because it's the preferred method, but because the Avatar press trades are so disgusting. I refuse to uh, endorse them. <laughs> they are literally the wor- uh, it's it's such it's such a pretentious thing they to lo- say. It's low they, quality. They they have the ugliest designs of any comic book publisher I have ever seen in my life um, to the point where I'm like I literally will not read your stuff in print I cannot with good conscience it is terrible it's it's like it's like worse than the ones that someone at a convention will just hand to you and be like please support this because at least they're like trying but you know it's low budget because they don't have a lot of money Avatar it's like their design team is just terrible um, and I, I think the worst is probably Crossed um, which is the design for that book and, and the trade is making me want to vomit. But that is, is <laughs> like such a, really it's such a, I know it's, it's such a pretentious thing to say about like such a minor thing. Cause ultimately the story is all that matters. But, um, if you were me and you're someone that cares about that, I would say, read it digitally. Don't read it in print. Otherwise you're going to have like <laughs> just a, a aneurysm looking at it. You're going to um, have but, a bad uh, time. Okay. Yes. Please continue. <laughs> Oh, that's all I got in terms of my recommendations. Uh, it does seem that I need to uh, update myself, and so that we can have a round three of what. For is sure. Oh no, dude, you're good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But like, no, like this stuff is important. Our, our uh, myself, the audience, Josh, your, yourself. Uh, this well, are you is, saying? It, are you saying there's gonna be a horror comics three? We're gonna do this again. Absolutely. Oh, man. Uh, You guys have to promise me that you guys will get into something in the Sandman universe. Hellblazer, The Dreaming, House of Whispers, Books of Magic, Lucifer, um, Dead Boy Detectives, something. Oh, um, uh, hell, even I I Vampire is technically Sandman universe because he came from House of Mystery. Um, 
But get Actually, into that. There's a really good I Vampire run from the New 52 from, um, coincidentally enough, uh, Andrea Sorrentino. Um, and, um, and it's so good. Yeah, and well, it is it, a the great first, character. the first two, yeah, the first two trades of that run were really good. The last yeah. one was a little kind of crazy, yeah. but yeah, that's uh, Joshua Hale Fielkov and Andrea Sorrentino, and that was uh, that was another one of those like, let's try something a little cooler during the New Fifty Two, or a little bit more uh, supernatural, and it it didn't land. But they got eighteen issues out of it, which is actually pretty impressive uh, by today's yeah, standards. No, no, he um, came that's from the same. Yeah, he came from the Sandman universe too. Yeah, well, I I, um, I don't really know if that that counts as much because his creation. Uh, there's actually a really great video by this YouTuber I love, Strange Brain Parts, that delves into the entire history of Eye Vampire. Um, but he kind of talks about like how his origins are are more of like the classic House of Mystery, like from the '80s prior to any of the formation of the Sandman stuff in the, in. The, like 1989, 1990 proper. So I don't know that I would really count that. Andrew Brennan is more of like the like the supernatural-ish character that's adjacent to superhero stuff but isn't quite as divorced from everything as, uh, as Sandman would eventually become. Um, Hellblazer was like that, um, and then now he's just kind of like a part of the DC universe proper. But the classic Hellblazer stuff, oh, oh. Definitely so not. So good. And, and so size Spurrier. Cy Spurrier, mm, um, dude. What an amazing yeah. Constantine writer. But um, there's actually there's cheating. a there's a great arc from Hellblade. It's one of my favorites. Um, also, kind of on the subject of horror, um, it's it's well Garth Ennis was writing the book, and it's basically Johnny yeah. goes to to Johnny Constantine, as I'll call him, goes to NYC after whatever had been happening, um, and Papa Midnight sends him on a dream walk. Um, and it basically takes him through hell, and he spends most of the entire time walking through hell with his trusted and loyal companion, John F. Kennedy, with half his brains blown out. But it's just a really great, like, I don't know, exploration of, uh, of American identity while also kind of tying that in with, with horror as well. But that's what I mean when I talk about, like, classic Hellblazer. They could do some just wild, crazy out there concepts, but... Man, they were so great. Man, they were so. And great. it um, it it sounds it sounds it sounds like they're reaching just for shock value there, and yeah, you get a shock when you see JFK's fucking head. You know, a third of, third of it's fucking missing, but the mm. story that goes along with that shit is fucking phenomenal, dude. Yeah, yeah. Hardcore. I think hands but, down I, best Hellblazer issue has to be the Neil Gaiman one that he did with Dave McKean. And not only is that great horror, it's just a great Hellblazer issue, but um, okay, that's enough. 100%. But, okay. So, I I feel like I can pick one book, one run, uh, 11 issues, that I can say that is that is the epitome of, of comic book horror for me. Um, the author totally goes in takes a legend with nothing but mystery, puts their own spin on it, adds conspiracy. The artwork is gruesome and gritty and scratchy. And um, they make, they, they take the villain and turn it from just this mysterious butcher into this sociopathic, twisted person that 
that can't separate love from death. And that book I think I know what you're talking about, but I'm I'm interested. Go yeah, ahead. I know no, no, wait, no. I know. Wait, do you want me to guess? Yeah. Is it from hell? It is. It is from hell yeah, from Alan I, I Moore and Eddie Campbell. Oh, oh my god, it's so good. Oh, it is damn, so good. Wait. It's it's a lot of pages, dude. It's like it's I want to say it's like 600 pages, 5 5 to 600 pages. But man, wait, let me is, give me give me one second. So I'll be right back. Fucking good. It's 11 issues. 600 pages between uh, I want to look it up. Hold on. Cuz I I want to say 600 sounds like a bit much. Uh no, it's really big. Um no, this 576 is 576 pages. Yeah. This is well, it's not one of the pages. It's not one of the originals, but it is it is a reprint of one of the From Hells from 1993 from Kitchen Sink Press that I got at New York Comic Con because Dennis Kitchen was there and I was so excited because I, I loved everything that Kitchen Sink Press did and I got him to sign it. Um, and I remember reading this for the first time because I had actually never read From Hell before. I heard it was it was more, but it was a very different more. It's like, okay. You've read your oh, swamp things. Man. You've read your yeah. Oh yeah, no. It's like you've read your swamp things. You've read your um. You know, you've Watchmen. You've read Tom Strong. Maybe you've read Wildcats. Though I wouldn't recommend it. Um, but you know, that's 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 like that's all the kind of stuff that you would expect from Alan Moore. But from hell, like whenever when it's it's like um, it, it's like it's like that super scary movie that all your friends have seen and you haven't. And when they talk about it, they talk about it in like hushed tones, and they're like really serious about it. They're like, you know, oh, you've yeah. read your Alan Moore stuff, but from hell, and like their their whole facial expression changes, and they're like, this is this is some seriously fucked up stuff, and it very much but is. But the thing, yeah, it's fucked up, but it's it's fucked up in such a in such a weird way that everything is pulled together. Oh, yeah. like. And perfectly is, crafted for this story. And it sounds weird it to is, say like a conspiracy theory about the oh fucking yeah. Freemasons and the Royal family and Jack Ripper coming together to make a horror comic mm-hmm. book sounds fucking weird, but Holy Christ. Oh, but it good, works. Man. Yeah. It works so well. Um, and it is, and, and people know this already, but I just, I have to say it just for the sake of saying it, but it is one of the most well-researched, if not the most well-researched comic books I have ever seen. Like, there is, I mean, you can you can see it here, but literally in every issue, there is, and it's it's in the collected edition as well, but there yeah, is the literally, footnotes. In, there is an appendix of information appendix, breaking called. down every single fact and aspect of, of Ripperology, I think it's called, but just, you know, the, on the subject of Jack the Ripper, every single aspect of the detective studies, of the case notes, of everything in painstaking detail. And I cannot imagine how long Alan Moore must have spent just reading on, you know, um, Ripperology and, and all that stuff on the on the Whitechapel murders. And keep in mind, this book came out in like, what was it, Josh, like 1990? So this is 90, pre-internet. 91. Yeah, this is yeah. pre this is pre internet, which it just blows my mind. Um, so yeah, from hell, I I can see why that's your top. That's that is that is one hell of a one. It it's it's a it's a masterclass. Mm-hmm. It and I I I one hundred percent I'll stand by that for a very long time. Mm. It's it's at at, <laughs> at risk of sounding weird as hell um this almost feels like 
reading a song. Just how yeah. <laughs> how fucking I know that sounds weird. A but terrifying, it, it, intense, very just like chilling and upsetting song, but uh, a song yeah. nonetheless. Yeah, and oh my god, Isaiah, if you have not got the chance to read this, get it. Get get online is, and get it. it if is, you can't, I will take long. pictures of my pages yeah. and email them to oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is long. It is procedural. But my God, it is just, yeah, it is one of the most compelling reads you will ever have. Um, and again, for people who see Alan Moore's name on the cover, this is going to be very different from what you expect. Like I, I, I say that preface not as to not, not to be like, haha, it's, you know, it's, it's all serious and about murder. Like, no, this is, this is, this is probably one of the most um, strange and uh, just way off departures that, uh, that Moore ever had um, in his career. Just, just doing something completely different than, uh, than anything else. Yeah, and and, and it, like like nobody else, man. So yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Isaiah, have you have have you read this? No, no. Homework. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Homework. If you homework. if you read nothing else, read From Hell. Not even the closet. Although again, I, I really want you to read that one. But so I, yeah. so what you're telling me is I need to read From Hell. Mm. And what, and what else? From Hell, <laughs> the closet. And and books of magic. Yeah, I mean, okay. well, you don't have to finish it because um, From Hell is is just again, it is this tome. But uh, it, even even getting like halfway through it or three fourths through it or, or whatever, you'll or, or even one fourth through it, like you'll feel just the the um, the Immensity. intense nature of the book. Yeah, um, <laughs> like it's 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 really something. Um, don't watch the movie, please. Don't watch the movie. It's terrible. Oh yeah, um, the movie. It don't. It's so. It's so bad. Like it terrible. shouldn't even be tied to the the book. That's funny. the actor that they got to play the Ripper. I I like him. Um, but um, Ian Holm, I think his name is. But um, my God, it is so bad. Uh, so bad. Just, it's a bad adaptation. It's a bad adaptation. I mean, it's, it's not the worst movie ever, but it's just yeah. It's it's kind of a crappy adaptation. But uh, yeah, funny. no, that is that is one uh, hell of a story. From hell, it by certainly Alan. is. Mm-hmm. You got well, any homework Josh... for me, Isaiah? Um, oh, I yeah. would say actually, that's good. So I'm gonna say definitely for you. Well, for Josh, since you weren't here last time, I would say yeah. if you haven't read Severed, read Severed. Yes. Oh, you read um, Severed? Yeah, because we we brought that. Yes. We talked about last oh time. man. Oh, that makes me so happy. Check out Severed, uh, the law, of the the law of the skies. Definitely read that. Like I said, it's a two hundred page book. You'll get through it easily if you can read. You know, from hell <laughs> or any any mm. run <laughs> if your favorite runs. <laughs> and you know, I'm gonna say that's that's a good that's a good start. All right. Mm. All right. And then duly noted. And from you, Brandon, other than do a powerbomb? Uh, yeah, uh, well, obviously the closet um, and uh, and certainly a couple of the others that I had mentioned. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm going back to my list. 
Um, I mean, yeah, ones that we'd already talked about, Gideon Falls and, and Witches, those are ones oh. that you definitely got to check out. Um, yeah. Kid Eternity, while not perfect, I think is is worth checking out, and it's, it's one that'll definitely get you thinking. Um, and, and Nameless, controversial and confusing though it may be, I, I would recommend it, um, just I thought it was for yourself. Fantastic. Yeah, it's like, just, just read it for yourself, and if you're able to come to the end of it and, and, uh, and feel satisfied, then I think it did its job, or, or you know, uh, close enough. Um, and, uh, a couple others that I wanted to mention, um, just, just in the, on the subject of, like, the, the classics, um, one that I, I think is probably not going to be labeled as horror, or I think they tried to sell it as a horror book, um, and it, it didn't really work because everyone just kind of saw it as like a, like a noir mystery type of story. But that was one that I had kind of been on my radar too, that I wanted to check out, but I never did called a walk through hell from Garth Ennis and Garan Suzuka, which is, um, a book that they tried to sell as like a contemporary horror. Um, and what that means is like horror that is, is kind of like I was saying earlier with Swamp Thing. It's like horror that's appropriate for the era. So this one is almost a direct response to political division, um, or social division or however you want to call it circle. Like I think, cause the book came out in 2017. We all know what happened in 2017. Um, more specifically election wise, what happened in 2017. So there were a lot of tensions running around that time and I think this book was trying to capitalize on that um and sort of how divided people were and spin it in an interesting angle that was more horrific in in nature um so the story kind of revolves around the coming of this supernatural entity who is later revealed to be although I don't think they get the exact um like they, they don't they don't label it exactly but they they heavily imply and, and pretty much confirm that uh, this this entity is the devil, um, and it basically spends all of the twelve issues kind of screwing with these detectives who are in this warehouse trapped with them and um, are you know being fed illusions and everything. And it's it's all the while giving us flashbacks to moments in these uh, detectives' past where um, they're sort of running through their own personal stuff. But a lot of that is in the backdrop of you know political division, and they're talking about like. You know, oh, the election is because the the flashbacks take back or take place about a year before the the story uh, is is taking place in 2017. So they're talking about like, oh, the election is coming up, and and so and so is never going to get elected. That'll never happen. And it's it's sort of painting the picture of like a very divided country, but trying to paint it in such a way that it's it's almost more horrific in nature. But the ultimate climax of the story is because you're, you're wondering all this time, like, you know, the, the devil is kind of screwing with these people, but why, what's the point? Um, like it, it, it seems like such a weird time to do it, but given the backdrop of everything, you ultimately realize, no, it's the perfect time to do it because what better time is there to come now than at a, at a time when people are more divided than ever and taking advantage of that division, you know, could ultimately lead you to have hell on earth. Um, I think the message is an interesting one, but it's one that, I don't know, it doesn't really offer anything, and that's where it kind of lost me. Like, it's it's worth your time, and I, and I recommend it as a read, but it's one that, it, it, it feels like someone saying, things are really screwed up, but I don't really have a solution for it, so there. Um, and I, I didn't really know how to feel about that. It's not necessarily untrue, it's more just like, 
that's not really a unique take. Like it's something that that any you know nihilistic high school student could tell you. But um, I, I would recommend enough. it as a read. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I recommend it as a read just to kind of determine your thoughts for yourself and, and ultimately where you. Um, where you land on 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 how you feel about it, um, and uh, the last one was kind of a shorter one, but one that I went through recently um, called uh, "Sorrow" from Rick Remender and Francesco Francavilla, which is it's like a classic, like '70s horror movie. These teens go to a town. That town is possessed by the entities of, um, I, I believe, dead Native Americans who have been kidnapping people, tourists that have come into their town, and they kidnap them, kill them, and uh, possess their bodies. And our our main characters are, are lured into this town because of uh, shenanigans, um, and everything just kind of unfolds from there. But it's it that's that's like that's like classic retro horror, and I think it does it really well. It's not exceptional, but it's a lot of fun. So those are some classics that I figured I'd recommend. Um, and then, like I said, everything that we've already talked about: Swamp Thing, Closet, read it all because it's good. Oh yeah, for sure. Definitely. The saga of the Swamp Thing and the Swamp Thing. Rom V's latest run on the Swamp Thing, which is just now coming to a close or come to a close. Um, this is going to sound weird to say, but it is so similar to Alan Moore's run while being completely different that I, I, you just, you've got to check it out. It's, it's so good. And it's a completely different Swamp Thing. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, it sounds like a Definitely. good thing that... I take your guys' recommendations to heart. Um, maybe not so much as Josh's, because he had me watch a terrible movie once. Oh, okay. <laughs> ah, that's tough. But nonetheless, I think, uh, yeah. I think we got some good, good, pretty good picks. I think we should start something in the Discord where we can post all of our, our, our suggestions and recommendations that people should uh, read and or watch and or... I guess that's all you're really going to do with it. Maybe, yeah, read, watch. Yeah. I would absolutely love to do that. And can I just say, watching you go from a somewhat light room to a completely pitch black room feels perfectly in line with the horror topic, and I love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, for those who are uh, unaware, my uh, studio um, is unfinished. So having all the, the nice little fixtures and... Um, uh, furniture that I would like in here uh, are currently uh, not available. So I am taking uh, full advantage of my natural light, and it's now looking like an old uh, like a found footage movie, like those those I during know. the pandemic. You're <laughs> just like in the void right now, and it's it's really creepy. Creepy thing is you can see... The, I, we have like brass doorknobs on like our closet. Yeah, no, I see that. Like, I was like, "What is that? They look like eyes." Yeah, they look like eyes. Oh, that is terrifying. <laughs> 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 well, I think that'll finish up today's episode. I think I had a oh. great time hearing all these recommendations and all these new things about comic books. That I always like learning about new things about comics because, I, as someone who is not who didn't really grow up with comics, uh, that was more my uncle. It's always nice to hear, like, what's a good run? What's a bad run? Who's the guy that's, you know, who's writing in? Who should you look out for? And who really sucks ass? And just don't touch them with somebody else's fucking fingers. Um, 
So, I mean, I've got plenty of those answers, but mine tend to be different from most other people. <laughs> right, exactly, because you have the most wonderful suggestions on the planet. Yeah. No, just, <laughs> hey, hey, now, one movie that I suggested that he watch because of how bad it was, I just didn't yeah. tell him that's why I suggested it, and he'll never let me oh, live it down. Man. Oh, man. <laughs> what was it? Uh, American um, Car. Yeah, that's what it was. It was, it, was so, it, it was so bad, I couldn't remember the name. Yo, it's getting really progressively darker, and it's starting to freak me out, and I'm in the room. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait. sorry. I didn't, I didn't hear. What was the movie? American Carnage. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, no, no, don't watch. It's not good. Okay, I, I will not, because I've heard how bad it is at this point. Um, but thank you again for coming on the the pod, and talking you know being very passionate about the things that you love and then that you have now you know joined hands with us as we do our little seance and you know <laughs> and spooky uh because I I know, have. we are true fans of horror we, we will watch good and bad uh clearly hey, ain't um, that the truth and, you know we're in it for the love of uh horror and i'm glad that you are now a part of that and i hope yeah. you know and i as we expressed, we would love to do another episode, maybe a couple months from now, as we can pick up more new horror. Yes. Uh, and, you know, we can do our trade-offs and, you know, recommend what's good and, you know, tell stories about it. Um, I would love to. That, well, then it so, sounds like it's a plan. Maybe sounds we, uh, like a plan to me. Maybe we plan it for, uh, you know, uh, not a robot screams for October, you know? Ha ha. Oh, that would be that, perfect timing. That would be perfect. Oh, perfect man, perfect. we could do... I mean, I don't want to speak for you guys, but I, I I, remember thinking of doing this last year on the DC show, and I, I just didn't think it would fit, but I, a Halloween comics-themed episode. Not necessarily horror, but like the best like Halloween-slash-horror-themed comics, because there's a whole genre of that, too. There really yeah. is, and I'd be down for that. That could be one yeah. of the episodes we do. You can just do a big I'm crossover. All about, Halloween is like my Samhain is like my favorite my favorite holiday of mm-hmm. all time. It's really important to me, so I'm all down for celebrating it as much as possible. Definitely. All right. Definitely. Well, Josh, do you want us to give us our uh, our eloquent sign off? Our eloquent sign off. Well, I will try to be as eloquent as possible. Peace out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, all right. Well. We've been uh, we've been rattling on and prattling on here for a long time. So Isaiah's asked me to say goodnight, and that is exactly what I'm going to do. Thank you so very much for listening into our Not a Robot Screens and Not a Robot Comics crossover event, one of many that will be on its way. If you'd like to help us keep this show going and any others, we would always appreciate a donation at buymeacoffee.com forward slash N-A-R podcasts. Uh, you can visit us at notarobotpodcast.com. Not and, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention. <laughs> Buy me a coffee. You can go there, make a one-time donation. You can sign up for a recurring monthly $5 donation. Get into our Discord. Talk to us. End up on the show. Give us ideas. Just bullshit with us. Argue with us and tell, you, tell us why we're wrong. But um, it's going to be a hard-fought battle. I'm telling you. 
In any case, there is only one way that we say goodbye around here, and that is be good to yourself, be good to each other, don't turn the lights out, and don't be a robot. Ah! <laughs> oh, God. No. No, he's gone. <laughs>